Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God good? Come on. I, many of y'all may or may not know, but I pastored a predominantly black church in Honduras. And, uh, come on, Dre, we got wild down there, bro. And, uh, you know, I don't care if you're Methodist black, Baptist black, Church of God black, they know how to worship. So I, I, uh, <clears throat> I asked one lady to testify. Now, we don't know what, we don't know what testifying is anymore, you know. Ask one lady to testify. And she, she began, she said, Pastor, are you sure you want me to testify? I said, yes, ma'am. I want you to testify. And she got up and she said, you deserve the glory in this place. You remember that? You deserve the glory in this place. Declare your glory. Declare your glory. We declare your glory in this place. But you know, I, I thought, well, boy, whoo, that was good. But she didn't stop there, Kathy. We declare salvation in this place. We declare salvation in this place. Declare salvation. Declare salvation. We declare salvation in this place. Woo! Let it be, Jesus. Let the freedom of the Holy Spirit reign in this place. Amen? Let the glory of God shine in this place. Let not man hinder the ways of God, but let God in, interject His presence. May we all be transformed. May we all be changed. Let the glory of God prevail. Let His name be exalted. Let the house be full. Let deliverance take place. Let salvation take place. Let the presence of God bring deliverance to people who are broken and bound and disgusted. And let God lift them out of the miry clay and standing on the rock to say, let them be pro proclamations to the, those around us that Jesus is still keeping. He's still on the throne. He's still almighty. There's nothing but him. He's always been God. He will always be God. When everything else fails, the word of God will always stand. We can stand on God's presence. We can stand on his word. We can know that by no matter what the world says, they can come against us. They can talk all about us. But we know that if we are walking in him, they might try to accuse us. But he said... Happy are you when you are being prosecuted by those around you because the same people that prosecuted me are prosecuting you. But if you will suffer for with me for a little while, you will also glory with me one day. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to a day. Amen. Woo! Dre, I might have to get you back up on that keyboard here in a minute, bro. Praise God. Man, I had a good week this week, y'all. I might not be running on 75%. I think I rolled in the house at 4.30 yesterday and uh, got up and went to a um, Rusty Blue's funeral and uh, had a great time visiting with the family. And I want you to pray for them. And then I couldn't go back to sleep, Tim. Because once you're up, you up. And so 
But I want you to know, man, it has been a great week. It has been a, it has been a week that we have spirit, fought spiritually. We were at one church, and I literally, I literally went and stand, stood in the middle of the road because it was a hellacious onslaught of the enemy against the service. And we were in the side, and the sound system was going awry. How many know the devil gets in the sound system sometimes? I ain't talking about Billy either. I'm talking about the devil. We good up there? But, I mean, I mean it, was, it was going crazy. Nothing seemed to work. And then this guy got on a motorcycle without a muffler. And he was going, I mean, it's just like on tune. Dan went on tune. He jumped in that motorcycle. As soon as the music kicked off, ran down the road. And he'd come right ran down the road. I mean, for about 10 minutes, I'm thinking, man, is this, is, what's going on here? I feel an oppression of the enemy in this house. I feel like the enemy is trying to, to keep from God's presence moving. And so I said, you know what? I'm taking to the streets, boys. I walked out the door, walked out the church, walked out to the middle of the road, and I looked at him. In Jesus' name, come back down through here again. <laughs> I told this little girl right beside me, I said, uh, if he comes back through here, I'm pulling out my arm. Hang him right here. <laughs> and I tell you what, he sat down. It's like from me to the front of the, the building, he sat down there and He'd spin that thing around and he'd rah, rah. I said, Come on, bro. It's me and Jesus right here. Come on back down to here. I stood out there for 15 minutes. And I finally, I guess I, I either out outlasted him or, you know, whatever, but he finally put that motorcycle up. And I heard them as the message began. And so I went on inside. And man, the Holy Spirit just moved in a powerful way. We began to declare some things in that church. And I'm. I'm expecting there to be miracles to take place. I'm expecting to be able to go into that community and, and win souls. And, and though the enemy has tried to overtake the area, God's got a light in the midst of that community. And, and I'm excited about that church and uh, being able to be a part of uh, God's plan there. But you know what? I believe the same is happening right here. I believe God is going to do something powerful right here. How many believe that? Look... We, 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 it seems like everything has fallen against us so many times, but I believe God's fixing to rise up, uh, raise up a, a generation, raise up an army. How many, how many want to be on an army? You know what? Yeah, I mean, too many times we want to be on God's dance team, but God's looking for some warriors. Amen? And look, it might include some dancing in the warrior time, but at the same time, we're going to crush some lanterns and we're going to shout some walls down. We're going to see God move, amen? We're going to see oppression. We're going to see depression. We're going to see those who have been uh, struggling. We're going to see God raise them up and we're going to be an army for God. And I'm just looking forward to it. Amen. Now, Steph, she left me alone this morning. I mean, she, she, left, she left us alone, didn't she, Sherry? But she had a little, uh, little operation going on in, in the mouth. And so she couldn't sing with us. And Mandy just let... So thank you guys for putting up with me to let me sing with these guys. All right? It wasn't... Um, it ain't always pretty, but we get to sing. <clears throat> Amen. So I, I'm, 
I know this, this story is a little different. Sometimes we look at this, this story out of the prodigal son, and that's what we call it, the prodigal son. Don't we? How many have been a prodigal before? In, in what, we, what we call, some of y'all better go ahead and put y'all's hands up. Tell, lies in the church. <laughs> some of y'all better put a couple hands up. Yeah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and um, when I look at this, you know, a lot of times we focus on the, the young person, the cavalier young man, and, and we focus on that fact. And, and reality is, is it's, it's almost a little boring because we see this in a lot of life, right? We see young people go through hard times. We see young people trying to find themselves, you know. They, they're, they're looking for identity. They're looking for the freedom to be able to spread their wings, to find out who they are, and sometimes that finds us going down the wrong path. Sometimes it finds young people in situations, irresponsibility that they never, it, never thought of. They never, uh, you know, it's finally that moment where, they, they're, where daddy and mama's always told them this, but they never believed it, right? Some of y'all never, ha- never, never was there, right? You, I mean, when mom and daddy told you something, y'all did it, right? Y'all were just spot on. I mean, y'all never had to find out something the hard way, did you? Mmm. Mmm. My daddy said, boy, he, he has to say, he said, you wrecked, you had 16 wrecks before you turned 16. I drive into the drive. I had an old beat up Volkswagen Bug, and I drive in, and 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 it'd be raining, and and I hit the brakes. And that thing would slide all the way, and I slid all the way into my daddy's car one time. He said, "Boy, he come out." And I don't know about you, but my daddy had a temper, and he, he and, and that temper come out. Hit that head, begin to shake, and he put his tongue in between his teeth. I don't know if he's just trying to. I don't know. And that belt would. Boy, rough days. Before I got a car, I rode a, mo- a moped. How many of you ever had a moped? Yeah, yeah. I was, a, I was, a, I was in the ghetto gang with a moped. <laughs> Me and about five guys, we riding around on a moped. <laughs> I got my first job when I was 13, and I'd ride my moped to work. And, and, and it, I drive home, and, and on Friday nights, I like to stop by the skating ring. A little skate, you know. A little, a little bit. <laughs> and I, so I stopped by the skating ring, but I didn't tell mom and daddy. I get home late. How many of y'all stay up for your kids? Mm-hmm. That's my buddy right there. So I'd stay... I get in late, and my daddy, once again, I didn't call. I didn't say anything. But it was back before cell phones. I know I don't look that old, but it was before cell phones. If you had a cell phone or a moped, back then, it'd be like a brick on the side. <laughs> so I get home, and once again, my daddy step out that door, whoosh, and pull that belt out, ready to roll. But, you know, there's something about my father that was so gracious, so kind. I mean, in all of my 
Y'all mind if I say the word stupidity? All of my stupidity and irresponsibility and all the crazy things that I did. Man, that man loved me so much. Cared about me. Did Offered so many things. I, I mean, just too much, really. Too much. What a great father that I had. And so many times we look at the scripture and we're looking at this man who had two sons, and our focus is often the son. And sometimes we'll even get into talking about the, the older son. But what I want us to look at is the fact that the word prodigal doesn't, we always put it in negative terms, right? Man, that's just a, that old prodigal kid. But in reality, the word prodigal also means extravagant. It means more, too much. It's kind of like when you get a, a, a plate of ice cream and you want to put whipped cream on it, you want them to be prodigal with the whipped cream. Put a little extra on it. I like it. And how many know that, that sometimes the, the word prodigal also could mean extravagant? How many know that sometimes to those who don't have a lot, extravagant looks like it's too much? Why are you being wasteful? I mean, you could have you could have driven a an old Chevrolet rather than a than a Cadillac. And when you're on a budget for a Pinto, a Cadillac, even a Chevrolet looks expensive. <laughs> and so we look at this term extravagant, or we look at this term prodigal, and we automatically think something negative, like the son was wasteful. But if you look at the father, the father made some extravagance. And prodigal decisions. The father really was a very prodigal father in how he treated and cared for this son. Amen? If you're with me there in Luke chapter 15. You know, you're looking at, here's Jesus, he's teaching, he's talking about the lost sheep. He's talking about the lost coin, and then he goes into this son. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together. And he went on a journey into the, a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose or prodigal or extravagant living. Now when... He had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. Pigs. That's what we call it today, pigs. And he, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was uh, giving anything to him, but when he came to his senses or himself, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Notice he didn't say, I won't make me as a slave. So he got up and he came into his father, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, 
His father saw him and felt compassion for him. How many glad that the father feels compassion? The father felt compassion for him and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put on a, a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And he, bring, and he bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they begin to celebrate. Father, I just pray right now, God, that as we draw near to you, that you begin to teach us, that you begin to help us to see, Lord, uh, something different, something new, something uh, that we need, and help us to realize who you are to us as a loving, heavenly, even prodigal father to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, what I recognize, first of all, is that this son came to his father, he's the younger son, and he asked for his inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but if my son comes to me and asks for my inheritance right, his inheritance right now, he better, you, you better not even think about it. I mean, in the culture of the Middle East, for a son to go to a father and ask for his inheritance was literally like a slap in the face. It was basically saying, I wish you were dead. And, and, and honestly, if one of my kids asked for their inheritance, I'd have to be dead for them to get anything because I'm just hoping to slide in, you know. Lord, you know how much I got. And, and, and so, here this is. I mean, this is, this, is, uh, this is almost insane for the son to ask, can I have my inheritance? Because literally it was saying, I wish you were dead. I, I, I'm not happy. I want what's mine. Because honestly, if you understand the Middle Eastern culture, what, who gets the first inheritance? It's the oldest son. And the oldest son then later divides that inheritance with the other siblings. So here he is asking for inheritance. And, and, and see this father. I mean, look. I mean, this is, this is offensive. This is insane. This is something that you just don't do. And here's a father who is very gracious, who's very giving, who then allows a freedom that this kid doesn't necessarily deserve or need. So he gives it, he divides his, his house, he divides his, his inheritance, and he gives the older and the younger son their inheritance right then. He's a, this is a very liberal father. Man, let I me mean, know that we serve a God who has given us everything we need to live righteously, to live a life that is, has the ability to prosper in him. Amen. Do we deserve it? No. But yet at the same time, he says, call on me and I will answer you. What an awesome father that we have. When we don't deserve it, even in our most horrific moments of life, we can call on him and he's there. He wants 
to be there for us. He wants to answer us. He wants to draw us near to Him. And here's a father who a son is asking for everything that he doesn't deserve, everything that he doesn't need, even what is not even his at the moment. He's going ahead and asking for it. So it's very offensive and yet this father gives him the freedom and 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 really here's the son who has nothing who's been given the inheritance and how many understand that the inheritance is not going to the bank and drawing out some money and saying here you go boy no the inheritance is some outfits maybe some jewelry maybe some uh boxes of nard or specific oils that might have been preserved for a generation. It could be, it, here's your set of cattle, and here's your set of pigs, and here's your set of this. And, you know what I'm saying? So the Bible tells us that uh, a few days from then, so in other words, not only did he get, but then he goes out, and then he has to sell stuff to go somewhere. How many of you ever had to go pick up your stuff at the pawn shop? You know what I'm talking about, huh? They went and hocked the guitar, and they hocked this, and they hocked that, and, they, and then they take off. And so, now not only does he disgrace his father, disgrace him by asking, but now he's probably going around, because, you know, community's a small community. He's going around to the neighbors, hey man, I got some cattle, you want to buy some cattle? So now not only is he disgracing his father to his face, but he's walking through the community, and he's selling the goods, because he's got to get some money to go down to the foreign country so he's disgracing him he's humiliating his father how many times do we find ourselves humiliating the father how many times have we found ourselves walking in the presence of God and yet trying to do our own thing not depending on him taking the giftings that God has given how many know that every good gift comes from the father above and so when we understand that every gift we have is from the gracious Heavenly Father, and then we use our gifts for everything else in the world except for the kingdom of God. And so therefore, oftentimes, we're using our gifts and we're snubbing our noses at the great King of kings and Lord of lords who's given us the gift because we're not using it for His glory. Amen. And oh me, and in Espanol, ay de me. But yet this father was gracious. He was, give him those freedoms to go and do his own thing, to live his own way. And, and, and really, even when he got there, he, as, you, as the Bible says, that he squandered, he spent it all, he blew it. And then he found himself, if you're in those times, one is, you don't want a vagrant around anyway. And so there he's, Found himself with nothing. They, they try to get rid of him. And when you try to get rid of somebody, don't you give, them, you give them the best job at your house or the worst? The worst. I mean, somebody that I don't want to hang around much, is, I'm not going to give him you know, the, the nice job. I'm going to give him the worst job. Go clean the stables, boy. And not only for him, not only was he cleaning the stables, but he was cleaning, for a good Jewish boy, he was cleaning the pigsty. The very thing that, that he could not touch, could not eat, that wasn't supposed to be a part of. And here he is in the worst place of his life, cleaning pigsty, pigsties. 
And he, the Bible says that the, he came to his senses. Really, it wasn't, it wasn't that um, he had this epiphany. It, it's really that he decided that, you know what? He, it says that he came to himself. In other words, he come to understand who he was. This is not who I am. And it wasn't that he was actually very humble because when he started this, well, recital process of saying, well, this is what I'm going to say to my father when I get back, he didn't even say I'm going to be a slave. He was going to come back and say, Daddy, just hire me. Put me in a good job, Daddy. No. He wasn't coming back as a slave. He wanted to come back as a hireling. Lord, just... Just let me come back and you can hire me and, and, and I'll work for you because even the people that you hire have better than what I have right now. How many of God's patient with us? Man plans, but God's the Lord of it all, right? We make plans all the time. Lord, you know, I, you know, I could do this and I can do that. And, and if you just bless it, Lord, it would be great. Like somebody saying, Lord, if you'll just let me win the lottery. Lord saying, if you just put that in the offering plate, it'll go a lot further. <laughs> God was patient. The Father was patient with him. And, and he came back. And, and, and I guess this is really where we see even more so the, the prodigal aspect or the extravagant aspect of this father. Because here's the son comes back. And and and, and in his eyes, you know, he's coming back into to his old community. One, he's already disgraced his father. He has went around and sold goods. In other words, the whole community knows who he is. They know how bad he is. And, and, and then the father has... It's, it's like this. How many of you have had a son that's strayed before? It's difficult. And, and, and you're always with expectation. Always wanting, always waiting, always looking for that son to, or daughter to have that wake-up moment to realize that they can come back. They don't have to keep on going in the same way. They don't have to keep on going down the same path. But they can come back. And so here's a father, and there's no telling how long he's been sitting there, but he's, he's been on the front porch, and he's been waiting for that son, and and the Bible says that he's seen him in a distance and he took off running. And he ran to his son. Now, you have to understand in Middle Eastern culture, it is inappropriate for a, an elderly man over 40. <laughs> Easy now. Well, really, if you think about it, the lifespan was very short, so 40 was an elderly man in those days, right? And so they were, they were not supposed to run. It was inappropriate for them to run because they would have these nice flowing robes. And if you seen my legs, you wouldn't want to see anybody else's legs. It would be bad. Because to run, that means they had to pull up the, the robe. They had to show a little ankle. And so, not only was this father running, I mean, isn't this cavalier? Isn't this crazy? Isn't this prodigal? Isn't this extravagant? 
He's not supposed to be doing this. Stephen, he's out there and he takes off and he's running to his child. He's pulled up his, his uh, cloak and he is taking off running. His legs are showing and everybody's like, Ugh, what's this guy doing? He's lost, he's literally lost his dignity reaching out to a son who he is longing for, who he's been waiting for, who he has been patient with, who has, who has hurt him, who has uh, literally disgusted him because he's went out there and shamed. But he's still running after him. Now, you, you have to realize something else. A part of this process of running, why did the father run to him? Why? Was it... Was it just because he loved him? Was it just because he wanted to see him? Was it just because he wanted to wrap his arms around him? No. Because in Middle Eastern cultures, when a child has done what this child has done, when he's brought shame to his father, he's brought shame to his community, he is an outcast. And so the first time he walks back into the community, the community would meet him at the gate. And the Hebrew word is kazaza. They would literally take a, a pottery and they would bring it to the gate and they would crash it in front of him as a sign that he was an outcast, that he wasn't welcome and that they didn't want him. And so the father was not just running because he missed his son. The father was running because he didn't want the community to meet him first. I mean, know that sometimes... Sometimes religious people are the worst people. Because the religious people, you've done something wrong, and they, it's not let me pick you up, but let me kick you while you're down. And too often, uh, when religiosity gets in, we're only looking at people for what they've done instead of what they can be. Amen? And, and if we'll stop looking at people and saying, what's wrong with you, instead of, and then look at them and say, what's happened to you? Because there's things in life that happens to us that cause us to make decisions that we never would have made otherwise. And so the father was only trying to protect his son when he ran out, and he ran out there, and he, he was trying to beat the crowd. Because he didn't want them to experience, he didn't want his son to experience what he knew he would experience at the gate. Aren't you glad that the Lord still runs after you? Amen. Because we probably deserve to be the outcast. We probably deserve to be uh, met at the gate. We probably deserve to be, you aren't welcome here. But yet at the same time, God's running after us. And he's wrapping his arms around us. I mean, that's great. Knowing, look, this kid's been in the pigsty, and the father grabs him up and says he kissed him. And the word that, that there for kiss is not just some, let me give you a little kiss on the cheek, but it says it's a continual kiss. He just kept on. I love you, son. I love you, son. I love you, son. I'm so glad that I was able to get to you before everybody else did. And he got to him. I know, y'all looking at me with that hunger look. And he got to him, and he grabbed him up. He beat him. I don't know about you, but I'd run a long ways from my kids. I'm not sure that... I don't ever want to be put in the position of what I would have to do to take care of my kids. Let me just say it that way. Is that a nice way to say it? I love my kids. 
Love my family. And if I, being an earthly father, the Word says, knows how to give good gifts, how much more? How much more does our Heavenly Father want to give to us the Holy Spirit, wants to give to us gifts untold, riches untold in a spiritual way? Wow. And here he is, he runs. He grabs his son, he begins to kiss him. And before his son could really deliver his plan, you know, Lord, I, I've sinned against you, I've sinned, but, and the, the father's not even letting him get a word in edgewise. And he's grabbed him up. And then, I love it because it identifies something different here, because the son is asking to come back home, and the father looks and says to his slave, go get the best robe. Now, my kid's got some good clothes. But I buy the best ones. Huh? They keep growing. I ain't buying them something fancy and high-fluting because before long, they're going to have to pass it on, take it to the Goodwill or something. So I buy them cheap shoes, all right? You know what I'm talking about, right? I, I bought a pair of shoes for me, and Eli got them on, and he said, Daddy, these fit me. I'm like, nuh-uh. Whoa, them's not yours. No, sir. I'm going to get some good shoes because, you know, my daddy always told me, he, said, he says, that's one of the advice my daddy always gave me. He said, son, buy good shoes. He said, I bought them old cheap shoes all my life. My back hurts. My knees bother me. He said, buy good shoes. So anyway, I, who's got the best in the house? The daddy. So he tells the slave, go get the best robe. What he's saying, son, he said, go get my robe. Bring it and put it on him. Aren't you glad you're covered? I'm covered. Covered, covered by the blood. Come on now. Walking by faith, living in love. I am covered, covered, covered by the blood. Come on. Y'all have to put up with my singing. As my mama says, singing. Put on the best robe. He wanted to cover. He wanted him to realize that that's not who you are. Look. I didn't make you that way. I didn't create you that way. I didn't put that in you. That's not my DNA. That's not my lifestyle. That's not my plan for you. And so therefore, you might have come. You might have taken what I've given you. You might have messed it up. You might have rolled around in some stuff. But I'm here to tell you, I'm putting a new robe on you because you're mine. I'm putting my DNA in you. I'm letting them know that you're my child. You're no longer in the past. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're mine. Amen. And he put a robe on him. And not only did he put a robe, but then he says, he says, get my ring and put it on. Now, I don't know about you, but now, I'm not a big jewelry person. I mean, because one is I just can't keep up with it. But a ring in those days, it was a signet ring. It identified the authority of the house. In other words, he's saying to him, look, you're not, you're not coming in just as, as the, my child. You're coming in. I'm giving you some authority. I'm putting some a power back into you. How many know that we have the power of God in us? Amen? 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, I'm walking in by, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been given a, an, a, an anointed ring, if you will. He says, if you ask whatsoever you will in my name, it shall be done. Well, the ring signifies his name. If I go to the courthouse, I can sign his name. If I go to the bank, I can sign his name. I've got his name in me because I go in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm covered. I'm empowered. And then the Bible says he put some shoes on his feet. Amen? Now, slaves didn't wear shoes. Slaves didn't wear shoes. He said, son, you might come home. You might feel like you should be the slave. You might have wasted everything. He said, but you're still my boy. You're still mine. And he put some shoes on his feet. He says, because you're not a slave. You're a son. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm so thankful that I serve a father who the world, who, who the generation of that day would have considered prodigal. Who the generation of that day would have said he was, he was crazy, he's insane. Why would he allow his boy to do that? But a father who was, who was extravagant with a son, who was prodigal, loved his son enough to help him, to care for him, to be passionate with him. Fathers, I'm so proud of you to be a father. And I know that your heart and passion is for your children. But let me encourage you that if we'll depend on the extravagant father, he'll help us raise our children in the way we could raise them. If we'll trust him, if we'll follow his lead, if we'll be, listen to his example, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and 15 and 16, he said, you... You have many instructors or tutors, but you have not many fathers. And he goes on and says, that's why I'm sending Timothy. Why? Why? Because he says, Timothy is my son, and if you get my son, you get me. And that's not what Jesus was saying when he said, if you've seen, the, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Oh, come on, somebody. You've got to get this. And so therefore, if we're walking in him... If we're walking in His presence, if we're walking in the presence and power of God, then we will be a replication, we'll be a, an example, we'll be a reflection of who He is. And the glory of God will shine through us, and He gets all the glory. Amen. Amen. Great when you play. This morning, I'm, I'm super happy for you fathers. I pray that that your kids, my, my Jaden was sitting at the table this morning. He goes, Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I said, Did you remember that because you see me sitting here uh, typing up this uh, letter here? And he goes, No, I remember it in the shower. <laughs> I hope that you have an awesome Father's Day. Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to be talking about between two gates. 
I believe God has us in a a special place. And I believe the Lord has got a word for us next week that, that will stir us. That will challenge us. That will change us. And I pray that today that when we talk about Father's Day that we understand that we serve a good, good Father every day. And just as the prodigal son has strayed, or who we call the prodigal son has strayed, we have a father who's been very prodigal with us. He's been extravagant. We don't deserve what we, ha- what we have. We, we really, I mean, honestly, he's been too good to us. He's been faithful to us when we've been unfaithful. He's been compassionate when we've been indifferent. He's been caring when we have been aloof. But we serve an awesome Father. And I'm so thankful that He's compassionate with you. Fathers, we have a special gift for you this morning. And if I could have all of you men to come up here, I want to pray a prayer over you this morning.